Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You're listening to Linux in the Ham Shack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. And this is episode number 201 of Linux in the Ham Shack. You have tuned in after our three-month hiatus, and we're going to get back down to it. And the first thing we're going to talk about is all the things that are different. And you've already heard one of those things, so uh, we're, we're going to talk about what else is different and what's going to kind of remain the same. There'll, there'll be a few things the same, but there's going to be a lot of difference, and hopefully it's going to be a little bit less effort for us in post-production and a lot more content for you. At least that's what we're trying for. So we're all still here, as you heard in the introduction. Cheryl's sitting across from me. I am. Yeah, you are. Oh, okay. Just checking. And somewhere out in the frozen big sky country of rattling diesels is Bill, any 4RD. <laughs> Good evening, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> They're thawing out there. We're freezing up here. Yay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think we're getting snow tonight. Uh, oh, no, tomorrow night. Uh, today's only Monday. So, yeah, Tuesday night we're supposed to get more snow. So, they're calling for uh, anywhere from two to eight inches here in town. Oh, well, I think it's supposed to be 60 degrees here tomorrow, so... I think that's on Wednesday, but it's oh, supposed well, to be whatever. sort of edging Warmer. up that way. Yeah. Right, and then going back in the toilet into, after Yeah, that. into yeah. the tank after that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that that yeah. snow that crosses over Montana will be down to us around Thursday, so... Thanks, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no problem. Yeah. We'll uh, keep it coming. All right, so the first thing you notice is that the intro is different. We've got a pre-programmed outro as well, which you'll hear at the end of the show. And we are also, finally, at long last... Uh, after eight years of doing this show, or almost ten years of doing this show, sorry, we are finally using an open source platform for doing the audio. We're, we're using Mumble. Yay! Skype, Skype is <laughs> gone. No more Skype. Unless we have to for a guest or something like that. But Yeah, you- it took Bill and Russ three months to get Mumble working, too. So. <laughs> yeah. But so it's done. It's it is done. Now. It's working now, and you're hearing it now. So there you go. And that will allow us to bring people into the Mumble chat. We'll we'll set that up at some point where we'll have episodes where those of you who have access to Mumble can get in and be a part of it. And that should make it easier for a lot of people. Um, and, you know, especially for our listeners who use Linux and know what Mumble is and, and all of that, that'd be uh, useful. Uh, the chat room is the same. Octothorpe Billy just podcast and IRC. So that's one of the things that hasn't changed. One thing that has changed, the big thing that's changed, is our format. We are going to go from recording bi-weekly to actually recording three times every two weeks. So you may think, wow, that's weird, and it is kind of weird. But what's going to happen is the segments are going to be split in half. We're going to do basically the first part of the show one week, the second part of the show the second week, and then we're going to throw in all of that random stuff into a third episode so we're going to have a short format show which is what this one's going to be we're going to have a long format show which is where we pick one topic of interest to all of us and our hopefully our listeners and go forth and multiply for about 30 minutes on that topic and then we're going to have an episode that's all the extra stuff that's me talking about whiskey that's bill talking about whatever the hell he wants to talk about cheryl talking about food or whatever the hell she wants to talk about and we're going to be putting those out um, either late Thursday or early Friday. So you can have some content to get you going for the weekend. And we're going to maybe have a contest or something, or if anyone would like to suggest a name for that sort of extra episode, because I don't know what the hell to call it. I called it like the weekender in my notes. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I don't like that. Yeah, I don't like it either, but I'm I'm kind of drawing a blank on that. So um that's important so we will be recording every single monday night now uh just the episodes will generally be shorter about half the length and another big thing we should point out is that in an effort to reduce post-production we are going to limit the editing 
Now, that doesn't mean this is going to turn into the Linux Link Tech Show where everybody just swears for two hours. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, uh, Linux Link Tech Show guys. We love you, but, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that doesn't mean that's going to happen, but what does mean is there are probably going to be a few more ums and ahs, maybe some pauses, and maybe an occasional S word thrown in or something like that. So it's not going to be completely non-family friendly. You can still probably let your kids listen to it, but... And we are going to make a conscious effort not to just not to cause not right. to be like that. Yeah, um, we'll try to keep it like PG thirteen or below. Right, exactly. But we're not going to. I'm not going to do my best to not do any editing. The idea behind that is, as soon as this episode is recorded, it's going to be released. So there won't be any backdated content. There won't be me fumbling around for a month trying to get the thing edited and put out. It'll be more content for you just not quite as polished which if you listen to gary it doesn't matter we're totally unpolished anyway so we're about on the same level you just can't yeah, let that go to, can you <laughs> yeah and we got you know adam you know always saying that we suck balls so yeah there's oh, that i've too. already broke the rule Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a quote dang <laughs> that's right that's fair use you can use it fair use yes well there you go all right, so that so that'll be good, and they'll all be coming out in the same RSS feed. So it'll just give people the opportunity to maybe, if they don't want to listen to this sort of extra stuff, they can just skip that one. But they'll still have content every single week, uh, and we think that's important for the whole future of the show. Let's see the Thursday scrum we have as the a- Thursday scrum. Okay, well, yeah, that's better than the weekender. So there's the first suggestion. First suggestion, yeah. right? <laughs> All right, so that's that. And like I said, this is going to wind up being the short format show, which would be like the first few segments of the old show, wherein we talk about short topics and uh, little discussions and announcements and things that are going on and stuff like that. And then the next week will be one long topic, and then we'll throw in feedback and announcements and things like that. Of course, if we have announcements anywhere, we'll just throw them in you know, wherever they happen to be. Um, and then the third one, of course, will be the thursday whatever it is and that may have some pre-recorded content and stuff like that but it'll it'll all be good anyway it'll all be good so stay tuned for and hopefully this will all work out and we definitely want some feedback on the the format changes so if you think this all sucks please let us know and if you like it you know please let us know that as well so um bill you want to talk about recording and release dates and stuff like that on uh, what? Sorry, what? Uh, <laughs> oh, Bill's what? not paying attention. Good <laughs> stuff that's going to get left days. in because what? we're not editing now. <laughs> anyway, I thought we were on to donations and support. Yeah, we kind of are. I didn't mention that. Did I? I don't think I mentioned that we were going to still be recording at eight p.m. I don't think I said that. Um, oh, no, you yeah. did not. Yeah, right. So. But the recording time on Mondays eight p.m. will still be the same. It'll just be every Monday. So sometimes you'll catch one type of content. Sometimes you'll catch another type of content. I do plan on posting even the audio podcasts on YouTube, so you'll be able to see them there as well. And Bill has a bunch of stuff that he's been doing for YouTube as well, so there will be audio and video content on YouTube, and hopefully that will uh, be more consistent as well. So you'll be able to follow us on YouTube if you want to do that, if you just happen to be roaming around YouTube a lot, that'll, that'll help out. And yeah, then, so we'll be trying to move all that content that we have currently in my own channel that, that's specific to the podcast. I'll move that over here. And any new new content we make for the show, we'll also put it there. So any more little screencasts or whatever else we do, we'll we'll end up in there. And we'll try to try to populate that with more more content as well, because I know more people are interested in that kind of stuff. And I may actually, if things go well, since my computer has been upgraded and is now running a lot better. I might actually try and record the podcast at least on my side as a video and then post that part of it to YouTube because all the content will be here. You just won't be able to see Bill or Cheryl unless I like have another camera set up, which I might do that. I might do the whole OBS thing. So, but I might get that fiber installed, you know, that's going to be awesome. Yeah. Well, we are definitely waiting for that, but it hasn't happened yet. So, and then, and it may never happen knowing our phone. (laughs) (laughs) We have also set up, a Patreon account so that you can sign up there instead of just going through the regular PayPal links. This will allow you to either donate via PayPal or via credit card, which is nice because a lot of people don't like using PayPal. And I would like to encourage people who are donating through PayPal right now to switch over to Patreon because we are probably going to be having Patreon-specific content, uh, videos that are only available to Patreon uh, contributors. So I would definitely suggest that If you want to continue supporting the show 
with your $2 a month or your $20 a year or whatever it is, you know, do it through Patreon. That, that will allow me to sort of keep better track of who is a subscriber to the show and we'll be able to do more things for you because trying to keep track of who's connected to the show and what people are, are donating through PayPal is really a nightmare. So I'm encouraging everybody to switch over to Patreon or do both if you really want to. I mean, I'm not going to stop you for sure. Um, but uh, Patreon will really help me out and will, of course, help the show out in the same way that donating through PayPal did. So there is that. Um, Hamvention is upcoming. We will be doing a generosity campaign to get us to Hamvention this year, 2018. Apparently, there's some exciting things going on at Hamvention. They're building a new building. Ooh. Yeah, to get some people in there. And I don't know if that means they're going to not have tents. Maybe they will have tents, and they're just building another building, so they're going to just have added capacity. I, but I'm thinking like, the tent thing was a bad idea. tents are gone. Yeah, I think the tents are gone for the inside vendors. That's what uh, they were saying uh, <clears throat> on one of the shows that I was listening to. So, so yeah, they're going to have all the inside indoor vendors indoors, which will be nice. Uh, I know a lot of people were disappointed with those tents. They were very wet <clears throat> and everything else. Uh, you know, hopefully they'll have the tents for some other, uh, you know, maybe outdoor, you know, outdoor people that want to uh, want a tent or something like that. Who knows? We haven't heard that. But uh, yeah, everybody that signs up to be an indoor vendor will have an indoor space. will be actually under a, a normal roof. All right. Very good. So we are going to, like I said, plan to be there. Um, the hotel is actually already booked. Bill has already said he's coming and we will be starting the campaign for hamvention on february 1st and i think we run it for 60 days usually so keep that in mind i wanted everybody to get all of the money that they spent on christmas presents and things like that's like completely out of their head uh before they have to think about sending us a couple of bucks to get us out to hamvention because it is not cheap to to go to hamvention i don't know if we've ever talked about our expenses but bill and i were talking about it the other day and we realized that if you start adding things up it gets almost ludicrous um, yeah, between <laughs> yeah, gas and food really and booth rent and yeah, yeah, hotel and gas and food yeah. and booth rent and everything else that's associated with being there, plus the merchandise and everything else. Yeah, it's it's very expensive. So yes. uh, we do appreciate any help in that, and we'll talk more about that on the first of February when we when the campaign goes live. And then one other thing that's finally up is the merchandise shop. I actually Yay. have the local merchandise shop up, not using Cafe Press. There's only a few items out there right now. There's the shot glasses, pint glasses, uh, the USB sticks, T-shirts, which we don't actually have, but you can order them on back order and we'll get some. And uh, I think we have like one baseball cap left. But you'll be able to order those if you want some and we'll be able to get them for you and you'll be able to get them a whole lot cheaper than you can buy them Through on Cafe, Cafe Press. Press. Yeah. Um, because this, I'm running the store and I've got all the merchandise already here and I so I can pass it on to you and still make a little bit of profit so that we can keep the show going and you can invest a whole lot less of your money so that's good for everybody or invest more and get more stuff well there's that too according to the hamvention website i just looked this up last year for those that were there there was a furniture store or something on the property yeah that has now been closed that building is going to be for use by hamvention and they are building another building which will cover an area larger than the tents. The floor space of the the new building will be an area that cover that's covered larger than the area the tents covered last year. So there's actually going to be several more booth air, you know spaces available that are. Now, actually I haven't heard specifically, but <clears throat> I'm hoping that they uh, free up that uh, paved parking lot for all the handicap parking that that they really didn't have a good spot for uh, this past time so yeah, that uh, would be nice yeah, yeah hopefully hopefully they open that up for uh for for their our handicap hams and i uh talked to tom w5kub this afternoon on the air actually which was kind of nice and he said and he wanted to remind me i guess that they're having the dara guys on his show tomorrow night and they're apparently going to have another big announcement nothing to do with the buildings and grounds and stuff like that i gather but it'll be something Just else a invention type about hamvention right. so uh cool. i would i will probably try and tune into that i believe he records around the same time we do i think it's around eight o'clock on tuesday be home so if you can check that out that's uh, tom medlin's show 
W5KUB. You can just search for it. You'll find it. He, he's everywhere. <laughs> so, <laughs> All right, there's that. So I don't know if there was anything else we needed to touch on as far as our return to podcasting, uh, unless someone can think of something. We're alive. Nope, sounds like you covered it. Yep. We're, yeah, we're all here. All right, we're here, we're live. So let's just jump back into it. This is our short format show. So we've got some amateur radio topics, some open source topics, and some Linux in the Hamshack topics. And we'll go ahead and jump into amateur radio. And Bill's got a, a whopper of an amateur radio topic for the first <laughs> one, which is um, which is nefarious goings on at the AWRL. So tell us all about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So while we were off on our little vacation and hiatus, you know, there was a lot of amateur radio stuff going on. But the the one thing that kind of popped up was this uh, issue with the. Uh, uh, the ARRL's board transparency. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> being a life member of the ARRL myself, I have to be careful how I comment on it because, you know, I don't want them to revoke my membership for giving them bad press. But uh, I, I received an email from one of my uh, club members um, and, the, and the Big Sky Contesters, and uh, he kind of kind of brought all this to to my attention i i kind of heard a little bit of uh you know a little bit of noise from twitter and so forth i think uh, kb6nu uh did a few blog posts and stuff like that um outlining concerns and and these were some of the concerns that that were raised by uh, the author of this email in my uh in my club uh, you know one of the big decisions that they kind of made over the last few weeks um was the decision to significantly increase the price of the outgoing qsl service so this is if you use, uh, I believe, the Bureau and whatnot to uh, send out your QSLs. Um, that, that price is going up. Um, the aborted, costly, and ultimately dysfunctional effort to pass legislation, legis- uh, legislation in Congress to limit the ability of a homeowner association limited power, limit amateur radio antennas. So that, of course, is the Amateur Radio Parity Act which we all know has kind of been a boondoggle and has went through so many morphing of, uh, of different permutations and stuff like that with, uh, you know, the homeowners association, the HOA, uh, big lobby group coming in and, you know, making their concerns known and, and kind of altering, uh, altering some of that. So, you know, you don't get a, you know, a 150 foot tower in your uh, little coveted neighborhood and stuff like that. Um, also, the inability of the league to mount an effective emergency response to the power outages and hurricanes destruction in Puerto Rico. I believe everybody has heard about this. Um, there has been some good comments and some good stuff that I heard uh, from the people that went down to Puerto Rico. I've also heard a lot of bad stuff, like a lot of disorganization, a lot of uh, uh, power plays and stuff like that. So, I mean, we all know there was a little bit of dysfunction um, the AWRL hasn't really commented much except for, you know, their initial, uh, PR stuff that they put out. Um, also we had the, uh, people at the, uh, uh, national traffic system. Uh, I know a lot of people still use the, uh, NTS for, uh, um, for passing messages and, uh, a lot of training goes on with that. I believe that's uh, kind of, uh, collapsing, uh, due to the ARL, uh, neglecting it. Um, also we had a questionable board of director actions. Uh, they censored its uh, longest tenured director for events that allegedly took place at Visalia DX convention last spring. Um, and again, you can, you can, you can read all this. <laughs> there's a, there's a new website that, uh, covers all these issues. If you haven't heard of all of these, um, apparently the board also intervened in the director election, election process over there, um, to, uh, repeatedly disqualify candidates. So uh, a lot of drama going on with that. And then the big one that uh, most people are concerned with are all the bylaw changes uh, within the, uh, the actual uh, documentation that, you know, sort of like the Constitution for, uh, for the uh, nonprofit organization that is the AWRL. And uh, some of those items are uh, granting full voting rights to the AWRL officers, including the president and various vice presidents who have not been elected by the ARL membership, but nonetheless will have votes equal to the directors who have been elected. So these are the people that are hired uh, to work as uh, as uh, employees of the nonprofit. Uh, there's a change in the recall process for AWR directors to present issues to recall to the ARRL voting membership. Only a three-member ethics committee agrees that the reasons for the recall are valid. So check that out. Uh, it also gives the board of directors power to kick directors off the board and to suspend the membership of individuals in the AWRL, including life members like me. Uh, I believe that part has actually been in there that does require a vote and reasoning and stuff like that. Um, so there's some, some verbiage change there that they're, they're trying to make it a little easier, I suspect, to, uh, to make that occur. 
And then uh, let's see, we also have the restriction of uh, the evidence that can be presented to the board of directors to appeal a decision by the ethics committee. Um, and the one thing I didn't put in here that I thought was interesting, too, they have a bunch of stuff for uh, liability of the board of directors and uh, officers like the CEO and the CFO and stuff like that. Uh, there's a whole uh, <coughs> uh, liability clause that, uh, you know, doesn't hold them liable and uh, that the uh, AWRL will take care of any expenses related to any litigation regarding uh, anything that they happen to do. Let's say like, uh, you know, the membership puts out a class action lawsuit. Uh, you know, basically we'd be paying for that. <laughs> so a um, lot of interesting stuff. A um, lot of concerning items. Some items I think have been blown up with uh, you know, some, you know, mainly opinions like I showed, uh, like I started at the beginning. I mean, those were concerns raised by a specific member. So that was their interpretation of, uh, of what's going on. But there are, uh, there are a few websites out there that have some information on this. Uh, the first one I saw was the petition that was out there. We have that linked in our uh, etherpad. And then there's the website, uh, my AWRL voice. Um, you can probably Google that and that's been out there in Twitter and everything else. And we also have a link to the changes in the bylaws. It's a Google Docs, so uh, catch that in our Etherpad as well. And uh, you can find all this information on the My AWRL Voice uh, website. They did put together a really good website that uh, kind of goes over the bits by bits and uh, the dates and timing. But uh, this is time-sensitive stuff. I mean, uh, the board is voting on all these changes and everything else at their meeting in 10 days. So if you have not heard about this and, you know, and our member, you know, it's, t- it's time to maybe take a look at this. And if you have any concerns, please send an email to your director and uh, make your concerns known. And if you're not a member, you know, this is an organization that represents ham radio to the FCC and to the government and everywhere else. So uh, you know, even if you say, well, I, I'm going to boycott them, I'm not going to join the AWRL. I mean, this affects you. It, it affects everybody that is a ham radio operator. So even though they only represent like 23% of the amateur radio population in the U.S., it's it's important that you understand that this organization is like the one lobbying group in the in the uh, in the government, you know, that, that has access to the government uh, at the level in which uh, they can affect, you know, changes in the FCC, changes in our spectrum and everything else. So whether you like them, hate them or whatever, it's important that we uh, – we, uh, you know, keep an organization that actually will do good things for the ham radio community. So we need to keep them on that track because that's the purpose of uh, the AWRL. Yep, absolutely. And I hadn't really had a chance to look at all of the things that have been going on in there. I know you've been following it pretty closely, but just reading through this list and listening to you talk about it, it's pretty interesting. And I didn't realize that the Ham Radio Parity Act had kind of fallen through or I guess was sort of ineptly handled i guess is what i got from that well yeah they've just been uh, you know it kind of fell apart in the last session and uh, i think they're trying to start it again this session but you know the, in the last session it kind of got neutered down so much by the hoas that uh, a lot of people were concerned that it's uh, it's basically uh, a moot point at this at this stage so um, i'm not sure where that's going i haven't followed to see if it's been reintroduced uh, this session yet or not and i haven't seen who the sponsors are but, um, yeah, a lot of people aren't happy with the way that hit was handled last session. And, uh, and yeah, we, we need to make sure that, uh, that if it does go through, it's, it has the right, right uh, protections for amateurs to operate their radios in their neighborhoods. All right. Very good. I'm sure we'll be talking about the AWRL some more, but people should be focused on the AWRL a little bit, especially as ham radio operators or even potential ham radio operators. And even if you aren't a member of the club, it's probably worthwhile keeping track of sort of what's going on in the organization because they do represent ham radio operators in the government, and that's a big thing that they do. And it's important because the FCC regulates what we do, and they are our voice in there. So it's important. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't you go ahead and go over your amateur radio updates, and uh, I can light my cigar again, <laughs> and uh, then I'll, uh, I'll talk about mine. Yeah, that's the one thing about those. It's like you keep talking and then they go out, but that's all right. I'll give you just enough time to do that probably because my ham radio updates are pretty minimal. I did rebuild my entire shack computer. I had some issues with uh, package inconsistency on the machine, and I don't remember how I got to that state, but it was so bad that I decided that I must reinstall the system, which I went ahead and did. So I went with the Debian 
regular version 9.3, which is Stretch, the current stable version. I just installed that, and then I installed the Ham Radio Dash Star packages to essentially give me the Debian Ham Radio Pure Blend, and then all of the packages that I use normally on top of that. And I've been using it. I As soon as I got it done, I tested it on the various modes. I actually used it on FreeDV, although getting any kind of traction in FreeDV is very difficult. The tracker, where you actually go and find out if there's anybody using FreeDV currently, uh, it's called qso.freedv.org. That was down for a while. It's back up now. But there are very few people actually using FreeDV right now, and maybe we need to get in touch with Dave down there in Australia and see like what the state of FreeDV is right now, because I'd be curious, because it's trying to make a contact on there is almost impossible anymore. Uh, just yeah, because, I haven't tried it in a while. Yeah, no one's really using it at the moment, at least not that I can tell. They're all in FT8 land. I guess so. FT8 is like sweeping the world. And I did upgrade to the latest version of WSJTX so I could have access to FT8. And I did some, some work on there because, I mean, and since they fixed the auto sequencing, so FT8 works really well, and they've shortened the time cycle. So making contacts in FT8 is very quick and very efficient. Um, and it's kind of taking the, the ham radio world by storm. Uh, so if you want to check out a cool digital mode, definitely look at FT8, uh, get your WSJTX up and running and, and check that out. Uh, of course, I was using FLDigi as well because that's sort of my go-to to start up. First thing I, I do when I get on my boxes, install and run FLDigi and check out like PSK31 on 20 meters because that way I know everything is working because uh, you can pretty <laughs> much always find something. Um, and just tested, uh, made sure everything was working. I got the rig over here and I was on today. Um, Tom, W5KUB, like I said, I talked to him earlier. He uh, posted on Facebook and his group that he was going to just be out on 7187 and hanging out and chatting with people. So I jumped on and talked to him. We had a good little conversation. So I have been on the air a little bit, but not as much as I would like. Um, I've actually spent my whole day kind of cleaning up my, my shack here, and I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Uh <laughs> I can There's act- still work that needs done. There is still work, but I'm. it's much further along than it was yesterday. Yes. So, but that's really all I've been doing. I've been focused on trying to get the show put back together um, and getting with Bill and Cheryl and, and kind of retooling everything and focusing on work and all the other parts of my life. So Ham Radio has kind of taken a little bit of a back burner, but that's where I am now. And now that we're recording the show again, I hope to get to jump right back into it. All right, Bill. So what have you been doing? I've been busy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I thought uh, thought my hijacking the program for for amateur radio scouting has uh, has been bad. Uh, well, I've I've gotten myself a, a bit deeper in the pile. Uh, the K2BSA had their uh, biannual elections uh, over uh, the the early winter months, uh, November and December, and uh, now I'm currently the vice president of the K2BSA. So along with uh, Jim Wilson, K5ND, which uh, we've had, I think we've had him on here before. Uh, if not, everybody's seen him on all the other shows uh, talking about Jamboree on the air. He's remaining the president. Um, Don uh, Donald uh, Sunfeld, KD2FIL. He'll be remaining uh, the secretary, and uh, Mike Crownover, AD5A, is joining us, uh, joining me, especially <laughs> as a newbie here in the uh, K2BSA uh, management, per se, <laughs> and will become the treasurer of the group. Um, we haven't set many priorities for the upcoming uh, two-year term, but uh, I can tell you we're going to be busy. We're going to be focused on uh, Jamboree on the Air for uh, 2018 and 2019. Uh, try to hit that hard and heavy and see if we can bring those numbers up a little bit more of people reporting in. And then we're also planning on the big uh, World Scout Jamboree that's coming to North America here in 2019. And that will be at the summit uh, in West Virginia again. Uh, as And we'll be operating most likely as NA1WJ, North America One World Jamboree. So that'll be the call sign so far for the uh, World Jamboree. And uh, we're real excited about that that coming up here in two years. Uh, my uh, my Ubuntu uh, system has uh, been on YouTube. Uh, I finally went through and did that shortly after we uh, finished up the show series uh, the what, back in October. And uh, got quite a few v- views on it. We got uh, about 621 views through those uh, those six videos. And then I had a quick follow-up video on FT8 that I did that uh, was viewed about 567 times. So a lot of people are interested in uh, FT8. 
Um, although I didn't think I covered it very well, but yeah, I did what I could. <laughs> I'm going to try to continue to uh, go into a bit more detail on it. I had planned on doing a video on Pat. That's that WinLink client that we talked about uh, you know, many, yeah, I don't know, about 15 episodes or 10 episodes ago. Um, but uh, I haven't got back to that. So I'm going to try to try to get on that and uh, get my WinLink all set up with that. I uh, I talked about doing that Mac OS and the Hamshack video series, and it was uh, it, I'd started it. It was all going well until I began interfacing with the uh, the Yezu SCU seventeen, which is kind of like the uh, the uh, rig interface slash uh, you know signal link all in one box. And uh, the Mac just uh, did not like that very much. It uh, kept uh, cutting out after the very first transmit cycle, so uh, that wasn't very useful. So it's basically a, great for rig control, and that's about it. I then uh, tried switching to my uh, Signalink and IC703 setup, and for some reason, Rumlog thinks that uh, the IC703 needs to be in some sort of data mode for uh, <clears throat> for uh, FT8 and all those other uh, um, you know PSK modes and stuff like that. And of course, it doesn't have a data mode, so I'm not sure uh, uh, where that's coming from. Uh, the 703 has been around for probably a lot longer than Rumlog, so so my uh, rig was never really happy with that either. So, uh, yeah, so I probably won't be doing that at all, and I, I won't won't be messing around with the Mac except for just as a toy, which is what it's always been anyway. So uh, that's where my Mac is sitting at. Uh, and, of course, my antenna woes. They continue to uh, vex me out here in the yard. Now we're, uh, we just got done with uh, about 14 inches of snow in the backyard. It's finally starting to melt, and we're down to maybe about 5 to 6 inches left in the backyard. And I haven't been able to get out there to really tinker with the antenna, so I'm still on all my portable antennas, so one band at a time. And, uh, well, you know, it, it'll be that way probably for at least uh, the next few uh, three to four weeks, depending upon uh, any more snowfall that we have here in the forecast. All right. Well, you need to work on those antennas. I, I need to work on mine. I've got one leg of it that's hanging a little bit low, and it's probably getting all kinds of uh, RF craziness off the metal roof that it's sitting over. Um, but I was still able to talk to tom on 40 meters today so i guess it's not working like too bad of course he's only in memphis and <laughs> I'm, I'm here in southwest missouri so my 100 watts apparently didn't have too much trouble getting through the atmosphere down into tennessee but <clears throat> yeah so you need to get on there so we can like rag chew on the air sometime instead of you know all these computers and stuff yeah for sure all right so cheryl what have you been doing for the last three months sleeping <laughs> all of it all of it (laughs) have you have you at least got on like a repeater or something no no i have not touched i no. i still russ doesn't let me touch your stuff what the hell are you talking about this all this stuff is sitting over here if you want to get on a repeater you go ahead and do that although i have my two meter slash 440 antenna sitting in the bag that i bought it in at the at ham invention. No, it wasn't. Oh yeah, ham invention. It was two years ham, ago. Yeah, two years ago, sitting beside. Yeah, me, it's yeah. still sitting in the in the package. So one of these days, I'm going to get that up on the roof, and then maybe we can do some VHF work. So there we go. There's a little bit more of an update. Yeah, there you go. All right, whatever. So maybe by the next time we record, which will be next Monday, we can have Cheryl making her first contact. Sure. Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> whatever. All right. So anyway, let's move on. We've got some open source topics to talk about. And the first one is, we need open source CPUs. And this is in response to the catastrophe that is the Spectre and the the other one I can never remember. Um, Meltdown. Meltdown, that's it. Spectre and Meltdown vulnerabilities that are affecting CPUs. And this yeah, is all your CPU belong to us. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Funny, we had that discussion yesterday, and I don't even remember what it was about. <laughs> oh, d- your instructions for your soldering iron. So you said they were in Chinese or something. I said, oh, so it doesn't say anything about all your bases are belong to us. <laughs> no, apparently I missed that. But anyway, yeah, we can talk about the soldering iron some other time. Um, I got I got a butane soldering iron. That was an experience. Anyway, um, the house is still standing. It is still standing. That's right. (laughs) So the thing about open source CPUs, and this comes from a lot of different sources, but I found ZDNet's article on it, and the link to it, of course, will be in the show notes. But this latest vulnerability is affecting hardware, and that's a huge problem because the mitigation for the problem is in software, and the the basic outcome of that is that your applications and your computer in general will be running much slower because you're having to mitigate a hardware problem with software and anytime you have to come out of the hardware stack 
everything runs very, very slowly. So all of these. Well, I think that might be a little overblown. Uh, they've they've been uh, throwing around arbitrary numbers that nobody has really been able to validate or verify. So, I I would hold judgment on on exactly how much of a performance loss that most users would see. I would think, with the 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 type of uh, problem this exists in, you're you're not going to notice an issue on a typical you know, top computer, it'd be more along the lines of, uh, yeah, it'd be more along the lines of uh, high-performance computing where they're doing serialized tasks and and, and stuff that requires a lot of iterations. Um, those kind of operations would tend to uh, fall into this category more so than, uh, than, uh, than typical use. And it does state in most of the articles that a typical desktop user will probably not notice a huge performance hit, but from the server perspective, it's definitely in there. And the exploits are based on predictive analysis in CPUs or predictive computing, which is part of the problem. But the whole idea behind this article was that we really need to, if and if you know reasonably possible, sort of abandon the i three eighty six and the in the AMD sixty four the Intel chipset in favor of an open source hardware platform or an open source hardware CPU, so that these kind of problems can be mitigated when they show up. I mean, if you have you know, because the Intel chipset is basically closed source, you know, and these problems have been around apparently for a long time. They just really haven't been executed. And it is probably worth noting that you do have to have local access to a machine to exploit these particular vulnerabilities. But I thought the article was interesting, and I do believe it would be nice to have a shift uh, into an open source CPU platform, something that we could use. And because the kernels in the Linux world, at least, have become so modularized and so expansive, and the way that the coding is being done now, moving to a different architecture would be very, very trivial. And that that's a good thing for us, and we just need to get some people focused on doing some hardware work and making a CPU. Because apparently... The ARM chipset is not necessarily affected by these vulnerabilities, but they have licensed some of Intel's technologies, which could make some of them vulnerable if they use that technology. So it's kind of a, a widespread problem and uh, needs to be approached, and I think a good way to do that might be to look at an entirely different chipset. So if you want to find out more about that, there's lots of articles on the Internet about it. Uh, the one that I found on ZDNet will be in the show notes. Yeah, exactly. And, and as Don's pointing out in the chat room, you know, people that use virtualized uh, platforms like VMware or AWS or any of those, uh, you know, shared memory space and stuff like that servers, you know, they're, they're a little bit more exposed to attacks basically by their, you know, sharing partners on the same systems and stuff because they do share the same memory space. So some of these bugs are specific to a, me- a memory addressability. Yeah, absolutely. And I did read a few articles that talk about the fact, and this is a little bit high level, so <clears throat> for the rest of you, you can ignore this, but it does allow some exploits in the CPU to attack user space, which is usually segmented from kernel space. Um, but apparently some of the exploits can actually break through that barrier, and that's a real problem because there's a lot of uh, sensitive data that's exposed in user space that the kernel should not be able to touch but sometimes can. Wow, that's a lot of pasting in the chat room there, Don. <laughs> <laughs> Don's pasting in there. I know, he's going paste crazy. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. So, yeah, just just be mindful. Things are going to be changing. The patch Tuesday is coming out tomorrow for uh, most Windows machines. Uh, I'm sure uh, the big vendors like AWS and stuff like that have already begun patching um, with, uh, I believe they got it last week, possibly. Um, so yeah. So, uh, if you notice, uh, your AWS loads changing, that's probably why. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Just keep, it's not like it isn't being beaten into everyone. It's everywhere on the internet right now. Yeah. Yeah. But, so well, there's plenty of information out there, but just be mindful that not all of it applies to a desktop user. So absolutely. Although I did see, I think Google released patches for Chromebook on it. So. Well, it's a shared platform, so same, yep. same kind of thing. Yep. All right, so there's another thing in the open source world that I noticed, and that was that Lindos has been resurrected. This is a project it. that <laughs> died. Um, die. It, it died die quite a long death? time ago, but it's actually been split into two entities now. It's now become FreeSpire, and the original version of Linspire is now the commercial version of Lindos. And yes, because they can't call it Lindos. <laughs> right. 
But if you want to have a commercial version of Linux, which I'm not sure you would, although there's lots of people out there using Red Hat, so apparently someone wants it, but there's a free version called Freespire. Version 3 point something of it has been released recently, and I'm going to go ahead and take a look at this because I'm curious. And it has been such a long time since I've seen Lindos even mentioned because I think the project died like in 2010 or something. It's it's been gone a long, long it's time. It's been a while, yeah, yeah. So this this could be interesting, and it might be worth a a quick look, uh, maybe a, a a little bit of a review, and maybe a Linux in the Hamshack readiness score or. If it turns out to be more interesting than it seems on its surface, then maybe we can broach it in a long format topic, but we'll see how that goes. But if you want to check it out, the links to both the commercial and the free versions will be in the show notes. And uh, so if you want to revisit Lindos, which is now called Linspire and Freespire, you can go ahead and check that out. And Bill, I'm sure, is saying, no, don't. But <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's good now. How do you know? You know? Yeah, you never know. All right, and moving on to our final segment, Linux in the Ham Shack. For this time around, we have a couple of things. The first one is an Android app called SDR Touch, which you can use to convert your mobile device into an SDR receiver. Now, it requires an actual SDR receiver, so it's only the front-end part of it. It uses RTL SDRs, though, so you can buy those for really cheap. You can get the normal RTL SDRs or anything that, would be along those lines, uh, 10 to $15, I think, in most places. And then it also requires some way for you to plug your RTL-SDR into your Android device, which may or may not require a uh, USB OTG cable or an on-the-go cable. Uh, those are relatively inexpensive as well. You can find them at all your major online retailers. Uh, you get this set up, you plug those things into your phone or your tablet or whatever, and then you run SDR Touch. And you can have a full-blown SDR receiver. Now, I don't know if it does any kind of um, frequency, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, up, up converting. <laughs> yeah, up converting. That's what I'm doing. That's what I'm looking for, up converting. I'm assuming it Not doesn't, converting. so you're only limited to what your RTL SDR can do, which means if yeah, you're Yeah, I think using- at the moment, yeah, that's what it is. I mean, I, I actually installed this on my, uh, on my phone, and I have a, an on-the-go... Uh, uh, adapter and uh and an rtl sdr <clears throat> an older donger like one of those uh dvbt d- dongles that does uh you know vhf and up and uh yeah i tuned into uh you know uh, an fm station here and and it worked i was surprised uh it does have uh it does have like a it's a demo version that that you can get through the play store i believe you if you pay extra you can get all the other features like spectrum and stuff like that you can try that out and uh, I did put a link in the show notes to a Google photo of uh, of me with the Spectrum on for the uh, uh, whatever uh, like few minutes that you could have it on for uh, for demo purposes. But uh, you know, in general, it works. I mean, you can uh, use it has all the modes, so you can flip from you know to AM if you want to listen to Airband or you know SSB, uh, you know USB, LSB for uh, for the satellites and stuff. So uh, yeah, it's it's interesting to have it on the phone. I'm not sure. I would ever use it, but I mean, I'm sure there's uh, people that are playing with these things that uh, are using a mobile, and this might be something interesting for people using their uh, RTLSDR for a downlink for uh, for satellite work, which is uh, it does make it kind of interesting. Yep, absolutely, and a lot of people have a lot of Android tablets, maybe just lying around or something like that. So if you happen to have the hardware, you can connect up to it. You can just make yourself a quick and dirty SDR receiver out of your Android device uh, for little to no money. So you know, there's something in that too, because SDR can be expensive. Looking at Uflex Radio, anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, so moving on, we got one more thing, and this was something I found out about earlier today. It's uh, MHUXD, which is a daemon that runs on Linux, and it's Linux only in this case. It's GPL v2. It was written by Delta Juliet Five uh, Quebec Victor out of Germany, and what it is is a. It's kind of like a. Ham Lib, but it's for micro ham devices, and it will allow you to interface with any of the micro ham devices that are currently available, and it will create like the virtual devices, the sudo TTYs, and everything that give access to a Linux system, so that you can connect it to your CAT system or something like that, and it gives you a GUI overlay for configuring those devices and uh, creates the necessary interface on your Linux system so that you can then create the rig control and whatnot with that. Plus, it also says something about 
on the micro keyer two, you can uh, configure the onboard display of the micro keyer two. Now I haven't actually looked at the hardware on that, so I'm not sure what that feature really does. But I looked at the interface, and it uses a specific graphic user interface suite, which I can't remember the name of. It's called like Clear Silver or Silver Clear or something like that. That mm-hmm. makes it look like the configuration for a lot of like home DSL modems. So if you've ever like gotten into your DSL modem or router at home or something like that, the interface that is the configuration GUI for MHUXD looks a lot like that. Um, but it's pretty straightforward and easy to use. So if you have one of these uh, micro ham devices, this might be something for you to look at. And it is open source. It is GPLv2. And it's freely available to you, uh, written by that German ham, DJ5QV. So if this is something that you can use, go ahead and check that out. Yeah, it looks like he's got a PPA and everything else. So you can just install it as a PPA and uh, apt-get install the, uh, the actual app. So make it easy. All right, easy peasy. Well, I guess we're not going to go there. Anyway, <laughs> trying to keep this show PG-13. Anyway, so we're down to the end, and that means Cheryl can tell us about what she does when she's not asleep, which is read the social media roundup. I do that? Oh, okay. Well, generally speaking, you do. I, anyway. I, didn't, I didn't know if that was a change or not. Nope. So, so there you go. All right. So. And it's a long one, by the way, so y- everybody strap in. You think? <laughs> it's been three months of coming, yep. so... <laughs> So, all right, everybody, strap up and and hang on here. So, for our subscriptions this time, we have Johnny Kinsey, Stephen Harp, Robert Pitts, John Clark, Dylan Engel, Bill Piotr, Charlie Brown, Donald Gover, Jeremy Hall, Brian Smith, Ronald Ike, Darren King, John Fotchke, Michael Jacobs, Todd Bowers, Paul Griffith, Jonas Rulo, Christopher Weaver, Doug Rutter, Michael Connolly, Robert Doherty, uh, Alan Wilson, Kevin Murray, Stephen Sainer, Michael Aiello, Robert Halliday, Robert Yerke, James Blocker, Wayne Carpenter, and Thor Wiegman. For Facebook, we have Misha LeBlanc, Colby McKinney, Adam Kimbrew, and Sean Cunningham. For Google+, Plus, we have Drawer Kobe and Jay Bird. For Twitter, uh, yeah, this is a long list. Army Dad four fifty one ham underscore garlic, K D A V E C, uh, sit all day long, field radio pod, George Harold Nepp, um, as Pitastrav, uh, Strav E two, E G B E R G Philip. Okay, I'm sorry if I'm massacring any of these. Uh, D Cummings KG seven D R O. At Jake Boaz at Bromi Drive, Rocktech 33, KA5 KVF, KD4 WOV, K7 UHN, RL Stoner, G7 UHN, or excuse me, G7 UHN, RL Stoner, Kimbrew Ski, uh, Mickey 140, uh, 7Z1AL, uh, Doug Boff J62, Radio Car Signs, Light Fighter underscore SC, Scanner underscore School, Step and Jump 1, K Macy 1966, uh, Silithar LIHA BIP, Croc OS 7 and Skunk Ham. Again, sorry if I massacred anybody's uh, Twitter. Uh, for YouTube, we have Ryan Kingsbury, Don we- uh, Biederman, Carlin Cagle, Tom Kane, and Dave Thurston. And on our mailing list, we have Rick Bennett, Adam Kimbrew, Mike Darrell, Larry Jones, Michael Combs, Scott Mays, Russell Mays, Dwight Myers, and Raymond Van Sickle. And there were no merchandise sales. All right, there we go. That's what we get after being away for three months. So we're down to the end of it. That's the end of this show, episode number 201. And the way the outros work now, everything is already done, and I don't have to speak, and no one else has to talk over the intros. So, you know, this will get smoother as time goes on, but I'm going to be ready to kick the intro off here in a second. But if anybody has any final words they want to say, or if anyone wants to uh, comment on the chat room before we get to the intro, now is the time to do it, for sure. And uh, if we don't have that, then I guess we'll all bid you adieu, and I'll kick off the outro. And we'll end 201. It's been a long time coming. So 
Anybody have anything yeah. they want to comment before we run out of here? No, I'll just want to wish everybody a happy new year, and uh, hopefully uh, this will be a great uh, 10th year of the podcast. Yes. Yep, absolutely. Ten, almost 10 years running. It'll be 10 in October, but we're getting there close. So. Yes. Yeah, the, All right. the way the way years zip by anymore. Yeah. October <laughs> will be here next week, I'm sure. So. All right. Exactly. Happy Seven New Year, everyone, and 7-3 for everybody, and we'll see you all uh, next time around in a week from now. Take Yay. care. Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the program by visiting the LHS Patreon page of patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or using the contribute link on the website. Get in touch via social media. The show has a presence on Google+, Facebook, Twitter, Discord and YouTube. Or you can drop an email to info at lhspodcast.info or record a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the IRC channel, LHS Podcast, on the Freenode IRC network. Also visit the online merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable LHS merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a Linux convention or ham fest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info or visit the website for details. The podcast is recorded live every Monday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Connect to the stream at stream.blacksparrowmedia.net colon 8008 stroke LHS live. Until next time, over and out. in the ham shack and the linux in the ham shack logo are released under a creative commons attribute non-commercial no derivatives 4.0 international license